Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, this is the third of a five-part series that gives you a good, robust introduction to some fundamental financial planning concepts. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about how much super do you need in retirement and what are the steps that you can take to maximize your super balance. Of course, everything in this podcast is general in nature in terms of advice. Please don't act on this advice unless you consider whether you need personalized advice before you do that, which I'd highly recommend. Okay, the first concern that a lot of people have with super is that they don't trust it, that the government keeps playing around with it. And they're worried that if they have all their money invested in super, then the government is in complete control when they're able to retire because they'll just change the age in which they're able to access super. So these fears and concerns around super are very well founded. The government does continue to change the rules with super. And you know what? As certain as tomorrow will come, they will continue to play around with the super rules. I just think it's just too attractive for them. It doesn't lose them a lot of votes. And they can kind of use it as a lever to, you know, try and get their policy implemented or approved. So I think we can we can assume that they're going to do that. The moment you can access super when you, when you turn sixty, will they? Will the government one day push that age out? I think the answer is yes. I think that's inevitable. It's a question of when, not if. But it's unlikely to really impact people that say are in their forties at the moment, maybe even late thirties. I think if they're going to change what's called the preservation age, which is when you can access super, it's more likely going to affect much younger people, people in their teens or even 20s today, to give them plenty of notice and plenty of time to work out what's going to change and to navigate those changes. The reality is that super is incredibly tax effective, and it is the most tax effective environment to hold wealth when you are retired. And it's always going to be that way. It has to be that way because if they don't make super attractive, then the burden to fund people in retirement rests on the welfare system and, and therefore the taxpayers. So there's a big incentive for the government to make sure super continues to be attractive. So yes, they will continue to play around with it, but it's too great a opportunity. There's too much value there from a tax planning perspective for you to ignore it. So I would counsel people, please don't ignore super. A lot of your money is going to go in there each year. It's really important to manage well. And it really only just takes a couple of steps for you to be able to manage it well, which I'm going to address in this video. So let's talk about the main rules. Firstly, there are restrictions on how much money you can put into super each year. The reason for that is they don't want people dumping a whole, really rich people dumping a whole lot of wealth in there and reducing their tax burden. It's really there to accumulate regular savings over time in a tax effective manner. So there's two types of contributions you can make. There's what's called concessional contributions and non-concessional contributions. Concessional contributions are contributions which you get a tax deduction for making. Now, these include employer contributions, so the contributions that an employer has to make on your behalf each year. But the cap is $27,500. 
So if your employer is, for example, contributing 11% of your salary and your salary is $100,000 a year, that means they're putting $11,000 a year into super. The cap's 27500 which means you can contribute, if you wanted to, an extra $16,500. If you did that, you could claim a tax deduction for that contribution which would obviously reduce your 100,000, what, down to 84-odd thousand dollars, and therefore you would save quite a bit of tax doing that. Uh, Whilst those contributions are tax deductible to you personally, when those contributions land or received by the super fund, they're taxed at 15%. So you do pay, pay some tax on that income, albeit at a much, much lower rate than marginal tax rates. If you earn over $250,000, your contributions are actually taxed at 30%, not 15%. So you pay an additional 15% above what everyone else pays that earn less than $250,000 a year. That's referred to as to dev div 293 tax. Okay, so there's also non-concessional contributions, and these are often referred to as after-tax contributions because you're making them from financial resources that have already been taxed. So for example, if you have some savings in your bank account and you want to move them into super, you can do that, and that's called a non-concessional contribution. You don't get to claim a tax action for making those contributions, and at the same time, the super fund isn't taxed on those contributions either. You can The cap, the non-concessional cap is $110,000 a year, unless you've reached a certain limit that's close to $2 million the limit is now. You can access super when you are 60 and have permanently retired from the workforce, or if you're still working, you can access super at 65. So really for most people, you know, super will play a pretty significant role in retirement, particularly if they want to retire after 60. In retirement, each individual can have up to $1.9 million in super, and that is tax-free, which means that any earnings, investment income, dividends, capital gains, any earnings on that 1.9 balance are tax-free. The, the proviso is that you must be drawing a pension, a minimum pension amount, which starts at 4% of your balance. If you take that 4%, that income is tax-free. You don't pay tax on that. And at the same time, any investment earnings are tax-free. So it's incredibly valuable from a tax planning perspective. And really, if you have a lot of wealth, really your goal should be to have $1.9 million of super. By the time you get to retirement or pretty close to it, even if it's a couple of years after retirement, you know that really should be your goal. So if you've got, if you've got a spouse... Then between you and your spouse, you can have $3.8 million in super and not pay any tax. It's very, very tax effective. So let's talk about how can you maximize your balance. And then in a second, I'm going to talk about, you know, how, how, how long will your super last you for and how to work that out. So it's going to depend on your balance about what is the most important component. There's really three components that will drive your the balance of your super in the future. It's your really your contributions, so how much you're putting in there. Fees, which are you know how much is subtracted or deducted from by the super fund, and then of course investment returns. They're the three levers that you can pull. If you've got a relatively low super balance, say less than a hundred thousand, the most important, the two most important factors are contributions and minimising fees. The reason for that is that the investment returns, you know, whether you get an extra half a percent in terms of investment returns on, say, a $20,000 balance, it doesn't make much difference. But if you make an extra $5,000 in contribution, that makes a huge difference 
in percentage terms to your balance. And so really the goal is to try and get as much money into super as possible so the super fund starts really benefiting from compounding capital growth. And the best way to do that when you have a relatively low balance, maximize your contributions and minimize your fees. Now, if your balance is between 100 and say 500,000, and it's a big range and that's a lot of people, then the order of which these matters are important are firstly, contributions, then secondly, returns, although returns depend on the balance. If your balance is closer to 100,000, returns are less important. If your balance is closer to 500,000, returns start to become even more important than contributions. And then finally, fees. Fees are important, but you will find that Super funds that also have high returns tend to have low fees, but also the reverse is true as well. So it can be a double whammy where you're paying too high a fees and you're getting poor returns. You've got to be careful of that. Once your super balance is over $500,000, contributions are no longer that important. It's all about investment returns. In fact, 80% of your balance will be driven by your investment returns then fees, and particularly if they're percentage-based fees on higher balances, they can really start to compound those fees. And then contributions, although contributions aren't that important when you've got over half a million dollars. So really the key is to try and get as much super as quickly as possible to really benefit from those compounding investment returns. As you know, anyone that listens to this podcast knows that every year I do an episode on which is the best super fund industry super fund, I should say. Uh, record that around about the end of July each year, maybe early August, if I'm running a little bit late in any particular year. I would invite you to check out, of course, there's a blog on the website. I'd invite you to check out that podcast each year. So in terms of determining which super fund is best for you, you know, which one's going to have the lowest fees and the highest returns, you can use that resource that information as a resource to to work out whether you're in the right fund and if you're not in the right fund switch it's really simple you can do it online takes a couple of days to switch across there's there's no major sort of fees tends to be for most people no major fees to switch so to make sure you're in the right super fund is a very easy thing to do particularly since i'm doing all the hard work for you Okay, there'll be a link in the show notes to this episode that will take you to a table that I have prepared where you you can use to work out how long your super will last you for. And so what you need to do is is try and work out and you can use some calculators on your online calculators to project how much super will you have by the time you get to 60. Then you can work out how long is that super going to last me depending on what I'm spending. Uh, And if that's not going to be enough, if you're going to run out of super, then you know you need to either contribute more into super to increase that balance and or invest in other assets outside of super. And essentially what this table tells you is you can work out you know, how much you're going to spend each year, say $100,000. And for example, if you had $1.5 million of total super between you and your spouse, if you have one, the table tells me that that super will last until you're 86 years of age. So if you retired at 60, it's going to last you 26 years. In that situation, I would say you probably need a little bit more super. So if you had $1.75 million, it'll last you to 97 years of age. That's probably enough if you want to spend $100,000 a year. So you can use that table to kind of work out how much you need, how much super you really need, whether you're actually going to get there on super alone, or, and if not, then you really need to invest in other assets. So I hope that's been a useful episode. I look forward to sharing two more episodes in this series, and hopefully it gives you a really simple brief overview on how super is going to help you fund retirement. Thanks a lot. Cheers.